Okay, let's look at our scripture. Uh, Jesus continues uh, his prayer to the Father before he is arrested. This is John 17, uh, 6 through 19, where Jesus prays for his disciples. This is what Jesus says. I have manifested your name, Father, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. The word of the Lord. Well, I'm sure some of you have been keeping up with uh, Hurricane Ian and the destruction that it uh, wreaked on Florida. And uh, it's quite, uh, quite devastating, quite sad, the amount of damage and we experienced just a portion of that, right? Some rain and wind. And uh, interesting, the next day, you know, there was sun that came out. Uh, and, and it was nice. You know, I thought to myself on, on, was it Saturday? After Friday, what if it just kept raining? What if we lived in the days of Noah? Right, where people saw the rain come, but then the next day the rain keeps coming and so on, and so on, until all of the world was washed away, except for Noah. You know, we're very mistaken when we think about this world as a great circle of life, that things just continue on and on, and we can get in that kind of mindset, can't we? But the Bible is very clear. History is linear. It's all building up to something. It's building up to a judgment in which God judges the earth and its people and inaugurates a new heaven and a new earth. See, Jesus came to inaugurate the beginning of the end. And Jesus has found his people and he's given them a new status, a new purpose. And so in this prayer, we see Jesus speaking about this new identity that we have and the new purpose that he has given us. And he has prayed in the presence of his disciples so we could hear and know who we are and what to do. The question I want to challenge you with during this sermon is this. 
Are we living out of this identity and purpose that Jesus prayed for us? See, we have been set apart from the world to help save the world. Do I believe that? And do I live that way? We're going to look at three things that Jesus communicates in this prayer for his disciples. One, that they have been chosen. Two, that they are protected. And three, they are set apart. So let's look at that first point, that the disciples are chosen. Jesus has been praying this prayer to the Father. And if you remember last Sunday, I talked about the fact that it follows the pattern of the prayer that the high priest would pray before he would go into the Holy of Holies, in which he would pray for himself. That's what we talked about last week. Now he's praying, the high priest would pray for those in his immediate vicinity, those close to him, in which Jesus is doing. He's praying for his disciples. And then ultimately Jesus is going to pray for all of the believers that are to follow. And Jesus prays for two specific things in this prayer. But before he prays for those things, he gives the Father the reasons why he is praying for these people, his disciples, as opposed to others. The reason the Father should meet his requests. And so this is the first part of this sermon, verses 6 through 11. Jesus says to the Father in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. See, when Jesus came to the earth, he had a specific mission that he was given by the Father. And that was to manifest the Father to specific people. Jesus had a list. These people, these disciples, Simon Peter and Andrew, and James, and John, and Matthew. They weren't random people that Jesus walked by and decided to say, hey, follow me. Rather, they were specific people that were given to Jesus, as well as the larger group of disciples, these 72 people. When Jesus sat down at that well and the woman at the well came, that was a divine appointment. When Jesus walked by Matthew at the tax collector's booth, there's a reason that Jesus stopped and said, follow me. Because he knew that Matthew was one that belonged to the Father and had been given to Jesus. So Jesus has sought out and found these disciples, and he has manifested the name of the Father to them. This word manifested means to reveal, to show to display, to set in a clear light. Jesus has manifested the Father's name. It's kind of like the same thing we do when we introduce somebody to someone. What do we do? I'd like to introduce you to this person. Their name is. But the name in ancient times means who they are, a manifestation of their character. Jesus has revealed the Father to this specific group of people. And how has he done that? He's told them about the Father, and he's showed them the Father. Remember that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's God on display for the earth to see. 
And so he's manifested the Father, introduced them to the Father, and they have responded. Look in verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. Now, the disciples didn't always understand what Jesus was talking about. But they have embraced Jesus and his words to the best of their understanding. It says that they have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. In other words, as these disciples set on this journey to follow Jesus and heard more and more of what he said, they have become convinced that Jesus is the Christ. I love that picture in John 6. Jesus has fed the disciples and, and uh, excuse me, fed the 5,000 and they all come to him and Jesus says to them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And it says that many who followed him turned away. And Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, are you going to leave too? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Verse 7 says, now they know that everything you have given me is from you. And verse 6, they have kept your word. Notice it doesn't say words, which often refers to commands in the book of John, but rather your word, which refers to the gospel. They have heard your gospel and they have believed. In contrast to the world who has rejected and will reject Christ on the cross. And we need to ask the question, why have they responded? Why have these disciples, these specific people, believed? It's because we see in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. See, God sees those disciples as belonging to him. Before Jesus ever got to planet Earth, God saw those disciples as belonging to him. Now, belonging in what sense? Belonging in the same sense as we look at our children, if you have children. What do you say when you introduce? I'd like to introduce you to my children. They're mine. They belong to me. God sees his disciples as his sons and daughters. Verse Galatians 4.4 4 puts it this way. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, God has given these disciples to Jesus so he can go and rescue and redeem them. One of my favorite stories, the story of the prodigal son, which we're all familiar with, hopefully. Remember, the younger son said, I don't want to be under you, father, anymore. Give me my inheritance. And he left. See, he may have, in his eyes, have stopped being the son. But the father never stopped being the father, did he? See, the son still belonged to the father in the father's eyes. We think that this story is about the younger son, right? It's called the prodigal son, but it really isn't. It's actually about the older son 
Because the story is about the Pharisees and the scribes. It says that Jesus is drawing near to the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees are mumbling against Jesus, that he welcomes sinners. See, what should have happened was the father to send the son, to give the younger son to the older son, to go find him, to rescue him, to redeem him, to bring him back into the house of the father. But the older son would not go. See, the older son is the Pharisees. Jesus, the story is actually about Jesus, the prodigal son, the true older brother who goes to find the younger son, to rescue him, to redeem him. See, the father never stops loving the son, ever, just as we never stop loving our children. See, the son never lost his true identity, though he forgot it. I think that's why the disciples responded, by the way, when they heard the call of the gospel. Because through it, they heard their father's voice. And you always know your father's voice. My father's been dead for years now. But if there was a crowded room and I heard my father speak, I would know his voice. Because he is my father. See, the point I'm trying to make, my friends, is we are his disciples as much as those disciples were. And like those disciples, you have an identity. And it's not bound up in what you do, in what you look like, in what house you live in, in what trophies are on your shelf. You are a son or you are a daughter of your heavenly father. And you took off. You became lost. But the father never stopped being your father. He never stopped loving you. And you belong to him. And the father gave you to Jesus to rescue you and redeem you. To reawaken you to his love and to bring him back. The point is that you are chosen and you always have been. We all hunger to be chosen. We hunger to be wanted, to be desired. And we spend our whole life going from place to place, asking the question, am I chosen? What we discover is that we're chosen in the highest order. Recently, Queen Elizabeth died. Prince Charles will ascend to the throne, and technically he already has, but his coronation will take place sometime in the spring of 2023. But imagine if you get a knock at your door, somebody who's come to tell you that, in fact, you are the one who is next on the throne, that you belong to that family, and you have been, they have come to take you and to bring you back into your rightful place. You never knew the reality that these rights and privileges were always yours. But now you just discovered them. See, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a son or daughter of the maker of the universe. And the Lord Jesus is your brother who has come to take you home. Jesus came to this earth for one reason and one reason alone. To rescue you 
and bring you home. So do you know who you are? Really? Many of us don't like ourselves. We're too skinny, too fat, too ugly. We're not successful enough, talented enough, smart enough. We don't even think that God knows who we are, or if he does, that he even likes us. So we feel like we have to only show our best side. Jesus, by praying this, is showing us that we can rest in our belovedness. That we don't have to be anything but his. So live out of your true identity. Chosen and beloved. Son and daughter of God. This brings me to my second point. That you are protected. Jesus gives the grounds of why he is praying. Because he's praying for God's children. And now he prays for two specific things. The first being that they would be protected. Notice verse 11. I am no longer in this world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus is leaving and going to the Father. And he knows that his children will have to face the world with its temptations and its hostility. And so Jesus prays, keep them in your name. In other words, don't let them fall away. Don't let them fall prey to Satan and to the world. Protect them and watch over them and care for them. And he prays for the unity of the church. For the wolves will come in and try to scatter the flock. Keep them as one, even as we are one. Jesus says in verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except for Judas Iscariot. Jesus, while on earth, was the good shepherd, right, who watched over his sheep and ultimately lays his life down for them. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus is praying not only that we would be protected from the evil one, but that we would experience the joy of Jesus Christ fulfilled in our lives here. Remember, he speaks of this joy in John 15, that my joy would be in you and your joy would be full. And what is that joy? The joy in abiding in his love and in obeying Jesus the truth instead of following the world. Jesus prays that we would continue to experience that joy even in his physical absence. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He's saying, I'm leaving them in this world which is in open rebellion against you. But even though they are still in the world, I have taken them out of the world. I've given them a new citizenship, which is in heaven, a new identity. See, Jesus was never of the world. Every one of us was of the world at one time, but we are no longer of the world. We are in the world. We still live here, but we're not of it. And so Jesus 
prays in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus did not pray for us that we would be given the safety of isolation, that he would remove us from this world. See, we're not permitted either the luxury of compromise or the safety of disengagement. But what we are given is protection from the evil one. See, Satan knows that his time is short. He's been defeated on the cross. And he still has power over this world to influence it. And he tries to make war on the church, on you and me, to pull us away from Christ as he did with Adam and Eve. But he reminds us in this prayer that we are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We don't belong to this world. Do you know that? We don't have to obey it, to play by its rules, to jump through its hoops, to be judged by it. If you're a high school student, you don't have to obey the rules of the world that say you must be in the in crowd. You must look a certain way. You must have a certain number of likes on your social media account because you belong to another. Guys, we see in this prayer the truth that we will have conflict in this world. The world and the evil one are in hostility to us. And if you are like me, you feel pressure a temptation to walk off the path, to follow the ways of the world. And maybe sometimes when you wake up, you feel alone in this fight. But we see that Jesus Christ has prayed for us. And Christ, the high priest, who went into the heavenly places, continues to be our interceder, our intercessor, who prays for our preservation that we would not be lost. And so we rest on the confidence in the prayers of Jesus, not on our consistency as Christians. Because Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I want you to imagine a father walking beside a railroad track with his three-year-old son. And there's danger at hand. So the father holds the child's hand. Now, if the boy's safety depends on the grasp of his grip on the father, he is in grave danger, right? Because he's only a three-year-old. He could lose his grip and wander into the path of a train. What keeps the child from destruction is not the boy's grip on his father's hand, but the father's grip on the boy's hand. And that is what Jesus is praying for us, and that is what he does for us, to keep his grip on us. What Jesus prays for us, for you and me, the father always answers, because Jesus always prays in accordance with the father's will. And so we can take confidence in this world. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. 
First John 5, 5 says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So do you have peace in this world? Or do you live in anxiety and fear? A sense that it's always on me. I'm right on the edge and the precipice of falling off or falling away. Do you live like an orphan, always having to fend for yourself? Or do you live in quiet trust in your heavenly father? Your father is holding your hand. And through that bond created by Jesus, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. So live your life with confidence. The Lord is with you. You don't need to fear, for Jesus is watching over me. We're chosen. We've been protected. We are being protected. And finally, point number three, we have been set apart. Jesus prays that his disciples would be sanctified. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctified means to be set apart. To be, and that's what the word holy means, to be set apart. You know, holy is, is almost like an adjective for God, right? Because God is the ultimate set apart, isn't he? He's holy, holy, holy. He's altogether other, righteous, and holy. But we see that Christ is saying to set them apart, sanctify them in the truth. Now, in the Old Testament, we see that people or things that were reserved for the service of God were set apart or sanctified. Whether it's a censer in the, on the altar of the temple or a man who would be set apart to be the high priest. So the prophet Jeremiah or Aaron and his sons were all sanctified, set apart for sacred duty reserved for God. Now, ideally, if someone is set apart for God and God's purposes alone, that person will only do what God wants and hate what God hates. See, that's what it means to be holy as God is holy, right? The Bible says to be holy as your God is holy. Jesus is the one whom the Father set apart for his very own, and sent him into the world. And the son sanctified himself. You see verse 19 as well. He set himself apart to be and do exactly what the father assigned him. And now he prays that God will set apart his disciples. Now why does Jesus pray this for us? That we would be sanctified and set apart. We see in verse 18 why. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As Jesus was sanctified and sent into the world, so the purpose of the sanctification of his followers is that they are sent by Jesus himself into the world. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, 
You have been set apart for God to be God's representative on earth. You don't just live for yourself. You have a higher purpose, a higher calling to show Jesus to the world in how you live and how you love. You have been sanctified for a specific role and purpose. And how has Jesus done this for us? He's prayed for us. And we see in verse 19, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Whenever something was sanctified and set apart, they would sprinkle blood on it, or usually with specific elements. It would be set apart by that way. And in the same way, the blood of Jesus Christ has been sprinkled on us. Colossians 1.21 says, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We have been positionally, objectively set apart by Jesus Christ for service to God. And God intends that we continue to be sanctified in this process by the truth. Notice that we would be further sanctified by the truth. How are we kept apart from the world? How do we stay in our mission, stay in our focus, stay in our understanding? To be immersed in the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit that opens it to us. Notice what Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve by what God's will is. See, it's the truth of God's word in conjunction with the spirit that he's given us that shows us what is true and leads us on the path of truth. I want to give you some examples of a hobby of mine. I'm a bit of a sculptor, if you will. At least I used to be. Sort of an amateur Leonardo da Vinci. And in order to sculpt, you need certain tools. And one of them, if you're sculpting with so uh, soapstone, is you need something called a Fordham. It's a rotary tool. And it has these different tools that you put on it. It helps you to shape the stone, to take away that which doesn't belong until you get to that which should belong. So I guess you can probably figure out what this is going to be, right? It's a, you better be able to figure out what this is gonna be. Okay, it's a bird. And what I will do is I'll take that Fordham and I'll start shaping it, taking away all that doesn't belong until it's shaped into its form. This is an example. This looked like this at some time and ultimately became a dolphin, right? It was sanctified, maybe, from its former state to what it is supposed to be. 
See, we have been set apart exclusively for the Lord. And we've been bought with a price. It's not my own life. I have a mission. I've been sent into the world. And my life, my desires, my ambitions are to be subsumed under the call to be Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. And while we are in this world, we have a responsibility to be sanctified by the truth, to think differently so we would live differently. So is God's word your food? Is it the tool that you allow on you to shape you, your mind, your body, your heart? Are you living by it day by day, moment by moment, following the truth that Jesus Christ gives us? Because he has set us apart, and by his truth, he will continue to shape us until when people look at us, they see the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we haven't gone yet. So my friends, I conclude with this. You are the chosen ones. You need not fear. For Christ is protecting and interceding for us. That we have a sure hope and a certain future. And we have been set apart for service to the Lord. Walk in his path. We have been set apart from the world to help save the world. So own what Jesus Christ has done for you. Press on to take hold for that which he took hold of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are yours, your children. We belong to you. We always have, even though we ran. Jesus, thank you that you came to the uttermost and found us and redeemed us and rescued us. And you protect us and you watch over us and no one can snatch us from your hand. And you have set us apart to be your people, to manifest your name to our neighbors, to our family, to the world. God, let us not be content with any lesser mission than being who you have called us to be. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.